We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Mike and Darius. Today, we've got a full house, and that's to discuss the Milwaukee Bucks winning their first and only title since Luel Cinder and Oscar Robertson did it back in 1971, exactly 50 years later. Mike, welcome back. And this is an outcome that you saw coming, even though Phoenix started the series up. First of all, what's up, Darius? How was the yacht? It was good. Magic gives his best. <laughs> okay. All right. Just want just to check in. Samuel L., <laughs> not so much, man. I tried to get him to give some Trudell love, and he was just like, I don't know about that Trudell guy. I don't know what you said about yeah. Samuel L. in. Nah, the that's his vibe in general. I mean, you got you to prove it to him in person. You know. Yes. Yes. At least there was no MFers related to that's your good. name. So that was good. All right. Good. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. So I think that... <laughs> I think game six was a continuation, right? And, and clearly a continuation when you see four straight victories. But a lot of the themes that we've been talking about, and I heard you guys get to some of it uh, in the last pod that I missed. And Pete and I, we've been getting to it for a little bit here. But ultimately, once these teams figured out what they were doing, X's and O's, schematics, all that kind of stuff, and it just became kind of, all right, well, like, what do you have? What do we have? Then Giannis... His athleticism, his physicality, his desire, that that was the difference. That was the – and it, it broke down parts of the rest of the roster as well. And I think that Chris Paul, for whatever reason, it could have been fatigue. It could have been some injury. But he just ran out of that peak Chris Paul juice uh, that he had carried the Suns through the Clippers series and especially in that game six. And so one guy outlasted the other. And not, not to put them on the same exact platform because Booker was really good too at what he was doing. But just neither of those guys was going to be able to physically have an advantage over the Bucks. They were going to have to continue to hit these tough shots, these skill shots, these mid-range shots, some threes. And the Bucks, and especially Giannis, were able to just put their head down, get into the paint. And I don't know how many times we've seen LeBron ride that formula, either to a title or to a championship, or Kobe or Jordan. or And it's, it's this whole thing we keep talking about, barring the Golden State Warriors, who had that unique mix of like the greatest shooting of all time. 
uh, from the perimeter, you know, plus that forcing teams to over collapse and opening up the rim uh, for layups in a different way. But I, that it, basketball history to me, I guess, is what ended up prevailing here. Um, once you had some of the Titans like the Nets and the Lakers down due to injury. And I, I got to say, I was, I think like everybody else watching it and then watching like today's reaction and Giannis and Chick-fil-A, like it was, it was fun. I, I thought it's good for the league. It was a, it's hard to sit back as a, just as a basketball fan guys and, you know, feel bummed after watching how that went down. Unless of course you're from Phoenix. I've enjoyed the sort of Giannis parade of just like feel good Giannis stories. Right. And the idea of him being rewarded for the work and he's a two-time MVP. You know, he won back-to-back MVP awards and won a Defensive Player of the Year award. And, you know, for all of the talk we've had about Chris Paul, right, over the course of a really long and and great career, Chris Paul gets some flack for, like, having rough fourth quarters or turnover issues. and, And those have come up here and there over the course of his career. But earlier and earlier now in guys' careers, they get the brand like, can you win? And I guess that's been happening over the course of time. It happened to Michael Jordan. I remember Shaq, right? Like Shaq, when he, even before he signed with LA and then a couple of early uh, playoff flameouts. And you're talking about a, a guy in his mid 20s at a similar age as, as Giannis and get already getting that, you know, stop making movies, can he win a title? And similar players in that they are, we've been talking so much about power versus skill. They yeah. are the, the pinnacle of the current NBA. Giannis is the pinnacle of the current NBA in terms of someone who knows how to leverage their physical gifts. Yeah, and so to watch him succeed, he's just a sort of superstar player that I like and that I gravitate to. That's why some of the noise around, like, can he be the face of the league and stuff that's been happening over the last week or so has basically been eye-rolling. to Like, like I wanted to roll my eyes at that. It's, It's like, I've got a nephew. He just turned 13. He lives in California. You would think that he would root for LeBron or Steph Curry in the Warriors. He wears Giannis' shoes. He has a Giannis jersey. Mm. This is the dude who he wants to see succeed. And he was on the yacht with us, Mike. And so (laughs) he was tuning in to finals games while we're on vacation watching we know Magic's got that 5G satellite dish uh, up on the because of all the tweets he's firing off, man. He's so you got that good reception out there, even in the islands. I, I feel you. So my nephew, though, he's 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 rooting for Giannis and the Bucks, right? And and so I, beyond the basketball stuff, and, and we'll dive in to that just from a story standpoint. And and the, if there's a non-Laker player who I would have enjoyed seeing win, it it was this guy. Right. And the ascension now that he's on will will be interesting and we'll have plenty of time to talk sure. about that sort sort of stuff. But right in the aftermath, like Mike, I have sort of enjoyed the the feel good nature of Giannis getting a, a championship. And Pete, just real quick, it does remind me a little bit like from a Lakers perspective of somebody whose life is better when the Lakers win. I had a, I had somewhat of that same kind of enjoyment watching the Warriors without any 
sort of Lakers feelings tied up in it. Like it, the Warriors weren't a Laker rival, at least in that sense, from the Lakers perspective. And the Lakers at that time also weren't a championship contender. Um, so that made that part of it a little a little uh, easier. But like what Steph, some of the stuff that Darius was saying about Giannis, I think carried to Steph too and sure. to kids. And so like that's it's kind of that part of it's been cool a little bit to now give you know that crowd that that reward. Uh, but where like what struck out or what stuck out to you the most, Pete? Well, the fact that the story and the basketball to me in a lot of ways are one and the same. All of us in this pod in general is so dedicated to really zooming in on different aspects of the game. But there is that. What are the things that you naturally gravitate toward that make you go, oh, that put your hand over your mouth just the way you did when you were 15 years old watching the game, you know, when someone dunked on someone else or, you know, fired up a 30 footer like Steph. What's the type of thing that makes your 13 year old nephew or cousin right react and gravitate toward a player Giannis grew up in the league man you see the clips of him when he is in the draft process he is a kid it's wild to see just his his face his entire you see how young he is and he is somebody that Giannis I don't think Giannis has ever cheated the game and a lot of times people that are born with supreme physical gifts can do that right they can be someone who relies on that in a way where you don't have to work as hard as everybody else does because you're already so much of the way there. And Giannis has added something to his game, has persevered, has not been afraid to fail, Gaunt has tasted his own blood in the playoffs multiple times. And for all that we could talk about, hey, you know, none of the top three teams were healthy this year, which is all true, that Milwaukee is going to have an uphill battle defending their title. That's also true. Darius, Giannis is a legit superstar. What is wrong with Milwaukee, quote unquote, in terms of putting them in that upper echelon and when everybody is healthy is not because Giannis is deficient. It's it's in large part because of other areas. They may not be quite there of where other teams are, but Giannis is a, a dead bang superstar. They're doing the 75 year anniversary team coming up, and I think he belongs on it. You've often talked about the players who are touched by the gods, right? The basketball yes. gods. And Giannis is one of... The- I wanted to do a pot on Giannis. I want to do like kind of a basketball god series. Uh, and, and Giannis is one of those people, right? That he's absolutely fits this uh, this description. He is one, one of those dudes. And the thing, when you were talking about not cheating the game and someone who was born with physical gifts, when you think of Giannis's story, and I think that this is what makes him appealing, that the appreciation meter for me is like through the charts with him is that was he born with these gifts sure right but he wasn't cultivated in a basketball factory mm-hmm. the way that like some of these even kids who grow up poor like in the united states right sure. where there are basketball courts at every schoolyard and you yeah, can just if, go if, out and and like play if Giannis grows up in in the United States, he's identified very early and, you know, gets in the whole program of development. And that that wasn't his circumstances. And that's why he is a 15th pick, because he's so underdeveloped skill wise relative to the other guys. But he made up that ground. He was in the second division Greek League, man. Like, that's crazy. This isn't a this isn't even someone who was like a Luka Doncic who was a high-level European prospect who was signed to a contract, a professional contract when he was like 15 or 16 to play in the highest leagues of Europe. Giannis was a dude who was out there like 
selling stuff on the street, man. And the quote that was interesting to me was when he was, it was after game four, I guess, when LeBron was, or was it game five, when LeBron was at the game in Phoenix. So that must have been game five, right? And Giannis had the quote where he said, you know, like the first time LeBron made the finals in 2007, I wasn't even playing basketball. And now he's front row watching a basketball game in the NBA finals that I'm playing in. And it's just like, that's, that's his journey. Right. And so it's one of the reasons why all of that talk that I mentioned earlier was sort of frustrating to me is that if you can't identify with the idea of like, Oh, look how this player sort of built himself up and, with all the he stayed in a small market and everything else that you can appreciate about him and his decision making and his work ethic and the ability to get to the point where he has choosing to like not celebrate that is like that'd be weird to me. And so I'm glad we're sort of dedicating a good portion of of this first part of the show just to talk about him. And what he accomplished and what he led his team to and what his team accomplished, right? Because were the circumstances weird and was it like, oh, the injuries and everything else? And can you try to deduct things like I suppose? But why do that? But that's not the way that I live is you play the games in front front of you. You attack the circumstances as well, well as they are. And if you come out on top, then like good for you, man, like you achieved something and i'm happy for Giannis. i'm happy for the bucks i'm happy for their fans and i'll be very interested to see how things progress next season and then the season after that but it's great to sort of have that validation and have another young star lift himself up and now join the ranks of the lebron the ad the steph the Kevin Durant and those guys, right? Because it's it's good to have another dude coming up who's young-ish that has now achieved that same sort of thing. It's good for the league. You know, so I, as Pete alluded to, I was gone the last couple, like watching my kids made it to this, uh, it's called the Pony World Series for SoCal. And and I was, I didn't know they even would have this at, at age six. But so I'm, so we get back, we end up, we lose in the quarterfinals to the team that eventually won uh, from Simi Valley. And this is the program where Christian Yelich played. And I, and so here in the, we live out in the South Bay area and like the kids were good and their mantra the whole year was don't cheat the process. Right. So I think this is taken from a lot of teams now from whether it was Philly or whatever, this has become kind of a thing now, but it's real. Like it's a real thing. And we, like we hadn't lost all year. We get to this tournament and this was this was the first time we saw a team and we just had to kind of acknowledge, you know what? Yeah, they're like they're a little better than us. That They've been together for three years. They, they're a travel team already at age six. Um, they've got like they're j- you can tell they've just played more. Right. And and yet, like we hung in there and we're battling and like our, and again, we're, we're cheering. They're six, dude. And so we're I'm sitting, picturing these six years old, six year olds that are like grizzled veterans. Like they're if third, you've yeah. seen what I've seen, yeah. It's why it's so it's so silly, almost right. The the concept of it being like they're like veteran six year olds, right? Yeah, like, they're, they're, you know we've we've been in travel ball teams yeah. for half my life. And, and, they, and you walk into this, they, you walk into this baseball complex there, dude. They've got they've got like six fields. Uh, they've every single game is on is recorded on the internet. Um, on video, there are cameras everywhere. Like it's crazy, oh, wow. uh, and so it's this whole thing. And so we're kind of wow. walking in there, um, and and like it just as I, I got home and I wanted to watch the championship game, 
And so I had I had that on my iPad, and I had I had the Bucks and Suns game up on the big screen. And it's just so like to see the absolute peak of sport versus to see the kids when they're just starting, they're falling in love with it. The passion sure. is the same in this weird way. And and then to take what Darius was talking about, Giannis and bring LeBron in, like not cheating the process. So totally different stories, but Athens and Akron, like there there are some similarities there. The difference is that LeBron um, had basketball the whole time. Like he grew up playing and he grew up in the system that was going to produce that. Giannis didn't have that. Giannis had to find it, right? Giannis was, but they both, LeBron always talks about just a kid from Akron. And the similarity is they, not only do they have the talent, but they had to work for it out of tough circumstances. So even that part of it to me um, is interesting now that Giannis gets his first championship there at 26. And LeBron, who was almost the league MVP last year before the injury, is watching. Remember when LeBron had to watch Kawhi? put the trophy Mm -hmm. up and now this is a little different because it's harder to feel like a rivalry almost with Giannis getting his first and it's all joy but I that struck me as well like I wonder what LeBron like he's he congratulates on my Twitter but he's got to be thinking all right you know like I I'm not ready yet I want one more you know what is AD thinking watching that so I'm I'm already I'm already starting to think about next year and we can do that in a future pod but it just all stood out to me as I was watching last night, thinking about all this stuff. You know, that, let's actually take a quick break and discuss about discuss next year and how this Milwaukee team influences how we how we view this up, upcoming team. My parting thoughts on Giannis is that his success is a victory for the basketball world on multiple levels, right? Like the the spread of the game uh, internationally, a guy who stays in the market that he was drafted in, right? There are a lot of versions of this that are like, you know what, this is this rep- represents a certain aspect of the game. And as a Laker fan, I do not I'm not a small market fan, right? It's not something that I have a personal investment in, but they went in all in on Drew Holiday and traded a lot to go from Eric Bledsoe to Drew Holiday. And Holiday, you know, rewarded them with a game five, especially that was just off the charts and defensively was remarkable on uh, for, for the entire series. Big part of why the series went the way that it did. But anyway, props to Giannis, props to Milwaukee. We'll talk more about them, but let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little more about how we see their success impacting our team. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Darius, interesting playoff set regarding Milwaukee. They shot 32% from three, which is the worst that any team has shot that's won a title since 2010. overrated, Pete. (laughs) And as Mike always says, shooting is overrated. And I think that that there's an interesting philosophical discussion that we've had over several pods. I've said we're going to have over several more pods because this, I think, is if basketball is a religion, there are two main denominations like Catholicism versus Protestantism, right? And one is that shooting is uh, of paramount importance. The other is there are other places where you can if you're gearing yourself towards shooting, you may be giving up some areas in terms of physicality. The Lakers are a physical team, and they are the type of team that can shoot 32% from three and win an NBA title. The Phoenix Suns are not, the Brooklyn Nets are not, nor will they likely in a seven-game series shoot shoot that, that lowly. But is there anything about kind of this construction? We see three seasons in a row, kind of a power team ends up hoisting the title. In two of those seasons, injuries were a big factor. But I do think that it's notable that Toronto, the Lakers, and now the Milwaukee Bucks, bigger teams, physical in the front court. So now that we have a little more distance from the dynastic Warriors teams, it's almost like, is, is are they the exception to the rule rather than a new rule altogether? No, they've been the exception to the rule. I don't... Mm-hmm. There's been a formula to win the NBA championship basically since the beginning of time have one of the best players start there have one of the best players who can dominate the game in a way that forces other teams to basically say like i don't really have anything to stop this guy and soon after that it became okay well we've got one of those guys can we get two of them or can we get three of them right and go through the history of the league And this is basically who wins every single year. And the idea of being able to replicate something as as unique as shooting the way that the Warriors shot the ball, that's probably the hardest thing to say, we're going to do that. Right. Because, again, if you look at the history of the league, the history of the league says, well, your best chance to win is by having the biggest, like the most talented big dude. Right. Like it's Mike in it's Russell, it's Chamberlain, it's Jabbar. Right. And then after that, it was sort of like, okay, well, the 70s were sort of this hodgepodge where the there were two, there were rival leagues, right? right. And so and then all of this, yeah. right? So then you get into the 80s, and it's not necessarily centers anymore, although it is because Jabbar wins a bunch, but it's still like, oh, these dudes are bigger, right? Like Magic Johnson's a 6'9 guard 
and Larry Bird's a 6'9 forward. These guys aren't 6'1", 6'2", right? The outlier through all of that was maybe Isaiah Thomas's teams. And then you go back and you go into the 90s again, and it's and it's Michael Jordan, who is probably the supreme outlier and is looked at as the best player who ever played. Well, he's also one of those big wings, right? That That is where the league went, is a 6'6 guy that was strong and athletic and had some of those physical advantages, but also had incredible skill and, and ball handling ability. So he was kind of a harbinger for the guys that came after. Before him, it was like, oh, you can't win without a center, without building your team around a big guy. And after him, that became more and more, you need that wing. Well, also, too, Jordan retires for, for two years and... Look who wins and look who's right. in the finals. It's a lot a team wins back-to-back yeah. titles. He plays a team built around Shaq and then a team built around Patrick Ewing. That's right? right. And so it's back again to the behemoths of the league, the best ones, and they're the ones who are competing for, for a championship. It's not until the like mid-2000s again, and even – even then, it's just like you've got a Shaq, you've got a Dirk, you've got a Kevin Garnett, you've got a Tim Duncan, right? Like all through the history of the league, it's these dudes who are just massive, massive dudes. And so when now you look at the recent teams again, okay, like look, it's LeBron James, again, one of those massive wings. It's Kawhi Leonard, right? Again, another one of those those massive wings. And you've got now Anthony Davis and Giannis, Right. And it's sort of like, okay, well, who are the guys who don't fit that mold? It's like, oh, yeah, Steph Curry. But even they had a Kevin Durant. Right. But but he's more still of of a perimeter player. So, Mike, the direction of the league, while we can go back and forth about how valuable shooting is, I still want guys who can make three pointers. Right. I, I also want give me the most talented dudes who are bigger than everyone else and i'm gonna take my chances every single time like to me that's the history of the league talking right there and i think that the history of the league and not to be too simple about this but it's because the rim is 10 feet tall there there's a set it's that like that's why size over the years has has such a massive difference because if you are like it's the one sport like that uh, where the like soccer right the goal is the same size for everybody wherever you're shooting from. So like you can have a five, five midfielder who can kick the ball to the top of the net, like anybody else in the ball. It's actually centralized closer to your foot. So it can be advantage to have physical size in certain aspects, but for the most part, that's an equalizer. Baseball is a bit more of an equalizer um, in that sense. Now size, you certainly need for pitching though. You can't, you don't see many five, five pitchers out there because guess what? The height of the baseball impacts the, the amount of downward speed that it can get going to the plate it's like all of so in every sport at least in some ways it matters but no more in basketball um i think does that matter and so that's where ultimately the shooting overrated thing has become you know kind of a, a bit of an inside joke on this but it's more just like if you think about skill and to make my second little league analogy um of the day you could have a terrifically skilled infield where every time you hit it to one of these players they're going to make the play and that's how you see at this point, you see most major league teams like you're not hitting it to an infielder that isn't going to be able to throw it to first base. But at age six, that's a challenge for a lot of kids. But guess what happens if you get a couple bigger, faster, stronger kids? They just hit it past you. They just hit it into the outfield. So like they're the if all things being equal, 
I will take the force and the athleticism slightly over the skill. Because because if you are a especially in pro sports, if you are a professional athlete, for the most part, you have enough skill to get by. Like the Lakers have enough guys on the roster who can bang a three home, even if it's closer to thirty seven percent. Same thing with the Bucks, or like they have a Pat Connaughton who can stay on the court. He was not a great three point shooter, but he can hit enough and he can give you offensive rebounds because he had the best vertical at the combine. You know, an under known fact about Pat Connaughton. So. That, that to me is where all of this ties up and, and eventually whether it's Giannis or whether it's the Bucks as a team, that was what they had over the Suns. And it's the same reason the Lakers were going to beat the Suns if they stayed healthy. They just physically couldn't hang. They had the skill to hang, but they physically w- wouldn't be able to hang with a healthy Lakers team. Yeah, that's the thing that and we saw this develop over the course of the finals is that Giannis will be bigger than you on every single play. He is able to. That's the the. Reason why bigger players and stronger players tend to win the day over the more skilled guys. And again, this is a dial that if it gets too turned too far in another direction can be problematic as well. But Giannis, Phoenix will never with that roster construction ever be able to defend Giannis. This was the perfect team for them to go for him to go against, especially to look as good as possible because they cannot defend players like that. It's why when AD is locked in, he eats their lunch every single time. They can't deal with guys that can access that vertical plane around the basket and win battles 11, 12 feet in the air over and over and over again. And it's the consistency, Darius, that ability, Giannis is going to be bigger than you on this play, is going to be bigger on the next play. He may get a little bit tired, but you know, guess what? You're going to be a lot more tired from dealing with that athletic superiority from him, where even you see from guys like Chris Paul, from guys like Devin Booker, they get tired and then the skills degrade. They are not what makes them better than a Giannis sometimes or those bigger teams. What makes them better is the ability to be more skilled, but they cannot access that on every single play the way that a Giannis can, the way that an AD can, LeBron, all of these bigger guys. That's right. I want to center this conversation a little bit more, though, back. I, w- I want to bring it back a little bit because yeah. we can talk about size and physical advantages and how much that that matters but the point you make about the dials and dialing that too far in that that direction that's, right. that's super important because mm-hmm. you know you know what mattered at the end of the day too is we could make chris, a shot is chris middleton <laughs> is chris middleton oh. able mm-hmm. to basically say yeah you're draped all over me but i'm a good enough shot maker to bury this over you even against contested defenses right that's right. And, and characterizing the Bucks as just all this one thing or not. They, Middleton's one of the best players in the league in terms of getting shot ready and, and hitting difficult shots like that one that kind of put it away where he's drifting to his right. Or even like, or even Giannis. I don't want to, I know you're coming out with a Shaq video, Pete. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know what's in that video. I haven't seen a pre-cut or anything like that. But I want Shaq some, some, dun- some dunking, I think. There, I'm there, guess- there are dunks. I can confirm inside sources. I'm, yes, I'm guessing there's a lot of dunks in that. But if I know you, Pete, I also bet that there's some nifty drop steps in there, and there's him attacking in ways that are super skillful, right? That we don't often think of as skill, 
we 100%. think of them as sort of, oh, well, he's just bigger or he's just quicker as if being big and quick are the only things you need to be in order to be able to put the damn ball in the basket and getting to a spot on the floor against a defense who is geared up to stop you. Because if that's all it took, there'd be a lot of seven foot dudes in the world who are up there with Wilt Chamberlain and Shaquille O'Neal and, and, well, and Kareem and all the other great bigs, right? And so when I look at a guy like Giannis and I'm just like, oh, look at this dude, right to left crossover, step through Eurostep, finishing underneath a contest that's going high, but I'm deciding to, to scoop underneath. There's skill in that, that yes. we sort of just, we act like it doesn't exist for yeah. some reason. James Harden, because- remember? remember James Harden last year? <laughs> Exactly. And it's because there's a certain jealousy that us mortal beings are not capable of doing that and then being successful. But the reality is that Giannis shoots a vast majority of his shots off balance. He's drifting to one side because he's had to – they're building this whole wall to stop him. And he has to find the little crevices and cracks in there and get in there. And that's not always going to mean that once he gets through, he has his shoulders – squared to the basket and on balance and ready to go up. And Mike, he's gotten so good at those shots that I, I, Darius's point regarding that is skilled, the ability to capitalize on those advantages and have a soft touch around the basket and even know where your advantages are. There's so many times where I see him on his drive. We use just a brilliant little shoulder fake or step in a small step in one direction that sets up the Euro going the other way. And all of these go into a level of skill that a lot of us don't appreciate because when we go out and play pickup, we can't leverage our athletic advantages because we don't have them, right, in the way that that Giannis does. And I think that leads to people underappreciating them. It does. But I, I also I also think that there was a, a point you made, Pete, earlier that I want to highlight here, and it's going to sound like a pushback almost on Giannis. But, like, Giannis wasn't able to explode quite the same way um, against even Atlanta. Like he was consistently good there, but his high in that series was 34. And mm-hmm. so there was something about Phoenix and their lack of, they, they basically said, okay, the only thing we can do here is have Aiton guard him and play off him. And like, so yeah, so Giannis was getting into the paint and then he's just dropping in these little shots. And so you, that's what, again, it shows that he, like Anthony Davis, basically, you have to have somebody of that caliber just in like Dray, like Draymond Green, I think could have done, could have made his life a little bit more difficult. You know, somebody like, and now Giannis is still going to win a lot of those matchups, but he's not going to get 50 on 16 of 25 from the field. So I, I loved the way he played. He gets all of the credit for it, but there is a, there is a certain physicality there that he took advantage of and that teams are now going to kind of re and like he, if, if there was anybody that was still doubting, okay, well, the skill isn't there. And we here's what we haven't mentioned yet. The free throw shooting. That was the difference oh, yeah. in the game. Unbelievable. Seven. So he goes, here are his free throw totals the previous five games. Seven for 12, 11 for 18, 13 for 17. So that was a little bit of a good sign. Four for eight, four for 11. And then 17 for 19 in a game that they win by seven, right? Like that was that was the ultimate difference. And so – if he be if he kind of gets back to his he's had other seasons where his free throw shooting was better earlier in his career, 
I think his, so he was, yeah, he was a 74% free throw shooter his second year, 77 his fourth year, 76 his fifth year. And then he dropped down to the 60s. This year, like if he can get back to the high 70s, that then that becomes like to the point where um, you're it, it, okay. Last thing, stop the three point shooting to that extent, too. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe we should stop questioning it. Like it worked, but it's like he still has ways to improve. And it, just like LeBron did, LeBron did at that age, too. Did. Yeah. So here's the point I was going to make about to tie this all together, right? Is that you look at a player like like Giannis and you do need, and we talked about this the last pod, Pete, that there is a baseline of sort of physical attributes that I I want in most of the players that are on the team that I root for. Because I think that if you have that baseline of physicality and then can go beyond that, you're setting yourself up for physical advantages that other teams won't be able to match over the course of a regular season, but particularly, but specifically over the course of a playoff series, right? And round after round after round, if you could leverage those physical abilities, you're going to put yourself in a better position to, well, to win. But we cannot forget that the baseline level of skill, it needs to be there as well, right? And if you, and it's one of the reasons why I think to a team like the Nets, Right. And a guy like Kevin Durant or even a guy like James Harden, who is like, okay, well, James Harden is a six, 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 seven dude who's built like a tank. Right. He's six, 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 five, six, six. But he's a a bit generous. But yeah. yeah. But but anyways, he is a he is a big, strong dude and he can he can get to spots on the floor and he can shoot over the top of you and he can muscle you off and he can finish around you and there's really no player in the league that's like a Kevin Durant, right? And so they have physical advantages too and a skill level that is pretty much higher than 90, 95% of the guys that that are in the league. And that's what makes them a contending team, right? And so you have to, we cannot forget that skill actually does matter like like matter too and if you have enough of the physical stuff then yes please give me more of the skill stuff too because that's going to matter in the end as well yeah the inverse they have the inverse problem of the lakers right the lakers need enough shooting to thrive they need enough physical advantages enough uh, the the ability to hold that down enough so that their their skill set and that their advantages in that respect are going to shine through that's right and so when I think about team building from the Lakers perspective, and we covered this a lot on well, on the last pod, but Mike, now now that you're here, I'd, I'd love to sort of get a little bit of your perspective on this is, is that in building the team out, I don't think you can ignore the idea that the Lakers could get – they could benefit – from adding a bit more in the skill side while also building more towards like, okay, this bigger, stronger, faster formula clearly works. It worked for the Lakers last season. It worked for the Bucks this season. But how far do you go in that direction? And can you just say like, okay, well, yeah, wouldn't it still be nice to have a guy who could hit 40% of his threes? Of course. And it's it's the I think the way that Pete summarized it when you were out, Darius, is, is taking on your point where – Maybe give me like one guy that veers a little bit more towards three than D as opposed to the D and three guys that seems like they've had more of. So I get that. I, I can ascribe to that. 
And I also don't want to downplay the importance of smarts and basketball intelligence yeah. and IQ. And that's a huge Yeah, it's factor. not just one or the other. Yeah. Great point. So yeah. here and, – and I'll, I'll just – I'll summarize this way. The Lakers have the ability to try and get it all. They have more ways to bring players in. They, it's more appealing than playing on a lot of teams. You have a baseline of LeBron and AD. So I think you you try to get guys that have the that have all of those things. If you have to pick between them, that's fine. Uh, but you, it's it's likely the form you have more margin for error because you have LeBron and AD who are who are basically all of the above. Now their skill level in in shooting isn't quite the same as some other guys, but it's certainly good enough. Uh, and based on everything else they have, so. I, I don't think we have to make a hard choice as to, oh, you, you, you definitely take shooting over defense. I think that if you're the Lakers and you're Rob Palenka, you've got your chart and you've got your guys at the top of it and they do, they do both of them. And, and then as you, as you get down the list, sure, you may make a choice for your 11th guy that's just a shooter or your 12th guy that's just a dunker, but those guys probably aren't playing in crunch time. And that's been, that's been my point. Like I'm, I'm always kind of focused on who are the guys that can definitely play in crunch time because the Brown and AD are good enough to get you there uh, where you just need a couple other guys to come through. That's absolutely the case. And it's time as we continue this, uh, this topic to zoom in, I think even more. And the point that you brought up about uh, decision-making and basketball IQ, that's not the only other area, right? Where it's not just size and skill. And even that there's conditioning, there's camaraderie and chemistry. There are all sorts of elements that go into building a great basketball team. Anyway, uh, we'll we'll wrap it up here. Congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks, to Giannis. We spent a lot of time focusing on him, but also Chris Middleton's journey to the NBA as a second round pick, the first G Leaguer to become an all-star. He's another guy that has never cheated the game and has perfected his craft in a way that I think is admirable. Drew Holiday and uh, so much about his basketball journey. UCLA guy, right? Uh, LA guy himself. There are a lot of guys on that team. Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez former mm-hmm. look, former Laker. Yeah. Brooke Lopez, shout out to him. Did we get the you, I'm going you know. to Disneyland thing from Brooke? Did that did that happen? You know, oh, I didn't see that. No, it, ha- it had to have because he, you know, there's nobody that loves Disney more than him and Robin. So I figured that happened. That's right. But he's just saying, I'm just going home, Mike. I don't even think he has to say Disneyland. He has a house on the property. So that's right. He's just heading home. That's right. And congratulations to all of them and the Milwaukee Bucks for winning the 2021 championship. That said, I'm so damn glad to have this season over with and to be looking ahead toward the draft. We got the draft coming up next week. We got free agency not long after that. We're going to start hitting those topics hard. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. Magic fires, it's good, and the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three seconds left, that next to the winner, it's on the way, good! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. 
There's the move. Two, one, it. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Ryan. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.